Thanks, Beck. Great job. I was trying to do that really smooth. I thought, I'm going to just, just waltz on in like as she's praying. But then I thought, I might make a jump. So I thought, no, I'll wait there. And then I kind of bodged that up. So I'm sorry that that's not normal protocol. But good morning. How are we? Well done for joining us this morning, whether online or in the building. Yeah, it's a Christmas for everyone. It's Christmas for everyone. We believe that, don't we? We believe it's for everyone. Um, you know, one of my favorite gospels that I've um, recently, when I was studying, I was kind of engrossed in was the gospel of Luke. Because the gospel of Luke, for me, is for everyone. You know, you have shepherds at the birth of Jesus. You don't have kings. In Matthew, he's, he's speaking to the Jews. You have the kings or the, the, the wise men. In Luke, no, we have the ordinary folk, the everyone. We have the shepherds. You know, we find Jesus eating with people who we wouldn't normally eat with, right? Sinners. And he gets accused of different things. Why? Because the gospel of Luke is for everyone. And I'm not saying the gospel of Matthew and John and Mark aren't, but there's something about Luke that helps us to home, home in on people who probably weren't believers in the day and to get the message all the way through to me and you so that we could believe. It's a gospel for everybody, I believe. And I want to kind of speak from Luke today, um, but I also want to speak about receiving the gospel. Because I really think it's really important that we position ourselves in the best way we can to receive the gospel or, or receive God's gift for us. Because I believe, and I know you believe, that God's gift is the greatest gift. But not everybody receives it because they don't maybe understand how to receive it or they're not open to receive it. Who's ready for a gift this Christmas? Come on, someone's got their hand right up. It's not classroom, but you can put your hand up anyway. But who, who's expecting a gift? Some of you. Some of you not sure. You know, what are you basing your confidence on this morning? It's probably based on somebody who you know that normally gets you a gift. Yeah, you got it? So some of you are more confident because you know somebody who's going to get you a gift because consistently they get you a gift. You, based on the character or the knowledge of who they are and who, what you know about them, you're expecting a gift. You got it? But it so, so some of you, you may be disappointed this Christmas if you don't get a gift because you're expectant. Now I want to say this, with God, he offers a gift and he doesn't disappoint. He does not disappoint in his, I'm telling you, he, he offers a gift, and if we will position ourselves to receive the gift and be expectant of the gift, you will receive the gift that's the greatest gift you can receive, and it's available for everyone. Not just for you, but for you to pass on that gift for others to receive it as well. And that's what they understood, the disciples understood when they grasped hold of this gift, to the point where they would make sure it was recorded so that you could know about this gift. So we're going to look at some different characters in the Christmas story. Is that okay? And with these characters, there's three questions. I've used these questions before. And I really like them. The, the, the questions that as a, as a non-believer or somebody who's maybe asking questions whether I can believe or not, or even for believers, the questions that we can go through on our discipleship journey. And I believe Luke's put them in there as an interaction so that when you read the gospel, it makes you ask the question. And you become a part of the, not just an observer or a spectator, you become a part of the story. Have you ever read, a, ever read a book when you've done that? Where you feel like you're the character. And that's what the Gospels are for, to get you into the story, into the narrative, so that you are a part of the story as well, not just a spectator. So we're going to look at three characters. First one, we're going to look in Luke 1, 11 to 18. And it's Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest and he was... 
you know, he was a priest who couldn't have a child because his wife was barren. They weren't able to give birth to a child. And he was a priest. And on this day, he'd chosen to go into the temple. It was his duty. And then it says this, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. By the way, his family name, John, was not a member of his family. So for him to call him John was a bit alien. No, you have to carry on the family name. So this is a little bit of a challenge for John to carry this on. He said, sorry, to, to, re, to name him John. He says, he will be great a great joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. You know, this is amazing, don't you think? You're in the temple, you're in church, and an angel turns up. How would you feel? How would you feel? Janet's excited, right? Some of us would book a some of us would maybe terrified at this because it's, it's, we're not in control of it. It's something outside of our normal thinking, right? But for Zechariah, he's scared. And he gets this word, which is a great word from God, the throne room of God. And it comes to him and tells him what God is going to do. And his response, I love his response. His response is this. He says, how can I be sure? Yeah, well, how can I be sure? How many of you are expecting a gift this Christmas? How can you be sure? How, really, can you be sure, can you be sure that you're going to get that gift? What happens if the person decides they're not going to give you one this year? What happens if the parents decide, you know what, we've spent enough on them this year. Let's save it for a holiday for next year. You can't be sure that you're going to get that gift, can you? Not 100%. Zachariah asks this question, like me and you ask this question. How can I be sure that Jesus was raised from the dead. How can I be sure that Jesus actually came to the earth? How can I be sure that Jesus loves me? How can I be sure that Jesus is going to raise me when I die? How can I be sure? It's a question around belief. What do you believe? Do I believe this or not believe it? And for everybody to receive a gift, the first question we have to ask ourselves and choose is, do I believe? Do I believe Jesus was sent into this world? Do I believe God died for our sins? Do I believe that he was raised from the dead? Do I believe he's returning, returning back again? And some of us may go through this time and time again. Do I actually believe? I thought, I thought this was not going to happen in my life. Do I still believe? And many of us go around this question, do I still believe? Anybody else here with me? Yeah, it's the question we all have to go to first and foremost in order to receive the gift. Do I believe? You see, if you read in Luke 1, 3 to 4, it's Luke writing, and, and he says this. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So Luke, who was not an eyewitness to the events, decided, possibly led by God and the Holy Spirit, that a generation needed, 
needed to hear of the gift of God. I'm going to carefully investigate. I'm going to find the evidence. I'm going to speak to the eyewitnesses. And I'm going to write it down. Why? And then he says this. I've investigated everything from the beginning. And he says this. I too have decided to write an orderly account for you. Who's you? Orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Who's Theophilus? We don't know a great deal about him. All we do know is his name means this. Theo God, Philos, which means brother or brotherly love. In other words, loved by God. He who is loved by God, I have carefully made sure that all has been investigated so that you can know, most excellent one, Theophilus, loved by God, who is you, so that you may know, here we go, the certainty of the things. So that you, not Theophilus, moving all the way into the new story, you today, so that you can know. You can know the certainty. You can be sure of the things that have been written down happened. It says certainty of the things. What are the things then? If you actually look at the word things, the word there is logos. The word logos. So that you would know the logos, the logos. You would know the words. You would know the thought. You would know the principle. You would know the reality of God. So that you could know this word that has been spoken has come into existence. What God promised before to save all of humanity is now coming to an existence in the person of Jesus Christ. And you can know for certain that truth. Therefore, if you know the certain, you can have faith and a confidence in the Logos, the Word of God. That's why John, in the Gospel of John, he starts, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. His approach is slightly different with Luke, but Luke has still got it in here. Logos is the Word of God. So Luke has made sure that you can know for sure the certainty. How can you know for certain? Simply believe it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word, the Logos. It comes by hearing the message of God first and foremost. Zachariah is in the temple. The word of God comes to him. An angel appears to him. If you cannot believe when seeing an angel, can you ever believe? He sees an angel come to him. And then he says, how can I know for sure? Hello, there's an angel. Hello, more importantly, God has spoken. You see, most of us, we want to see a miracle or we want to see circumstances change so then we'll believe. But it doesn't work like that. It might work like that, but very often it doesn't. Even if you have an angel, doesn't mean you'll actually still believe. Even if you have a miracle, doesn't even mean that you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ and follow him all the days of your life. Because we can very often be self-centered. Oh, I want the miracle for myself. Now I've got it. I'm all right. I'll carry on in life. It doesn't guarantee that you'll have faith in Jesus Christ. What guarantees the faith in Jesus Christ is the faith in Jesus Christ. Is the faith in the word of God made real through Jesus. Are you still with me? So believe the word. Believe it, because if you don't believe it, you won't receive it. You know, Job, he wrestled with God for years, right? For, ta for, for ages. He had great family, then it all got lost for various reason reasons. We haven't got time to go into that. But he wrestled with God for 35 chapters, right? Not one chapter, 35. Go and read them. It's been written down so that we can know. 
For 35 chapters, he's wrestling. After 35 chapters, chapter 38, this is what God comes to him and says, Job, where were you when I formed the foundations of the world? In other words, Job, I'm the one who formed the world. How did I form the world, Job? I formed it through my word. I formed it by speaking life. When I spoke, the word made it. The word made the world happen through my spoken words. Zachariah knew this. He heard the spoken word of God, but said, how can I be sure? And we all still struggle. We all read the Bible and think, how can I be sure? But we've got to come to this test of saying, actually, I'm going to believe the word of God. Because this is what happens when you believe the word of God. God will begin to reveal himself and make himself real to you so that you can have a faith and a confidence in God and in the word of God. But until you believe it, you're not going to see it. Zacharias struggled and wrestled with actually how will this happen? Yes, how will he have a baby and all of that? But more importantly, he was questioning the ability of God himself to make his word happen. Do I believe in Jesus? That's your choice. He doesn't force himself upon you. Job wrestled with it. You know, the wonderful thing about Job is this. He, be, he, he saw the goodness of God again. See, God's word doesn't just come as a sterile, cold word. It comes full, full of goodness. So when Job receives the word again, he's going to have the goodness of God in his life again. Zachariah is receiving the word. He's going to have the goodness of God come into his life again because that's who God is. God's, God's word is equipped with goodness. Not just a word, it's full of him, his character. It's full of goodness. So if you're receiving and believing the word of God and you put it in your life, you better expect there's going to be goodness coming into your life. Let's look at the next character. So that's Zechariah. Look at the next one. It's Mary. Everybody loves Mary at Christmas, don't we? Did anybody dress up as Mary at Christmas? Swan? Who was that? Okay, gone quiet now. I thought someone who was Mary at a nativity... Everybody wants to be Mary or Joseph, don't they? Okay, so let's look at this one. Luke 1, 26 to 34. So the first one is, we need to believe the word of God. Secondly, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants. His kingdom will never end. And then Mary's response. She has a response. She's, she's a human being like all of us. She's wrestling through something in order to receive what God's going to do. She says this, how will this be? And I think there's a slight difference in this question. How will this be? Mary asks, since I am a virgin. She doesn't say, how will I know for sure? She doesn't question God's ability to, make, to, to do what he says he's going to do. She just questions, I get it, God. I'm believing it, but how is this going to work? 
I don't quite get my head around it because it doesn't seem possible in the eyes of me. And many of us wrestle with this question, do we not? How is God going to do this? How is, he going to, how is he going to restore all things at the end? Anybody ask that one? It says in the Bible, Jesus is going to return and he's going to restore all things. How? I'm struggling looking at the world thinking, how is he going to restore all things? She has this question that she wrestles with. How will this be? How can God do this? How will this happen? And then she says this, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For no word of God will ever fail. That's, the, that's, that's what the angel said. Any word from God will not fail. God is sure, absolutely faithful to his word and he'll never fail to fulfill his word. We can trust in God. If God's offering you a gift, guess what? He's not going to fail and he's giving you his gift this Christmas. He doesn't let you down. But the answer lies in this. The, the Holy Spirit will come on you. How is God going to raise us from the dead? The power of the Holy Spirit. How is God going to make his word happen? The power of the Holy Spirit. How does God birth a child in me who has not really done the thing that you have to get a child? I'm just watching if there's kids in here. Right? You, you understand what I'm saying, adults? You know how to make a child. How is this going to happen? The power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are giggling like, oh, I don't know how it happens. You know how it happens, right? The power of the Holy Spirit. How does God forgive me of all my sins? The power of the Holy Spirit. How does God give you a new start? The power of the Holy Spirit. How does God change the way I think? The power of the Holy Spirit. How does God lead me out of ashes into beauty? The power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I'm believing the word, but I need more than just knowledge. I need a power. The gospel is full of power. It's going to move me from my chains into freedom. How? The power of the Holy Spirit. If you're a spirit-led person, you're going to move away from the old life into the new life. Because I'm now spirit-filled. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. How am I going to be raised from the dead? The power of the Holy Spirit. How is it going to renew all things? The power of the Holy Spirit. Let's not take the power of the Holy Spirit out of this. The power of the Holy Spirit. How are you going to overcome this week? Power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit... Of God who is with you and says, I will never leave you. Who is leading you through your disappointment and your pain and your rejection and saying, I will never reject you. I will never leave you. The power of the Holy Spirit is leading you. You know, some of those things happen to us sometimes. How, many, how, how much struggle did Mary have in this? How much struggle and shame did Elizabeth have not having a child? But when the power of the Holy Spirit came, wow, their lives were changed. What got them through their disappointments, their rejection, how society saw them, the shame, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of that new renewal of God being with them. They didn't need anything else. They knew that God was with them. How will it happen? The power of the Holy Spirit. How will God make his word happen? The power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but God said this about my life. How will it happen? The power of the Holy Spirit. You know, many of us ask, how will this happen? You know, the question wasn't just about how will she become pregnant. There was a bigger question. How is the Son of God going to be born in me? Right? It's not just, a, oh, it's not just Elizabeth who's having a child 
with Zechariah. This is a child now that's not her child, but it's born of God. This is a theological question. If it is who he says he is, then it's God who's on the earth now, not just another child. It's God who's walking this earth now, not just Mary's child. And that gets us to ask a different question about who he is. He's not just Mary's, he's God's son. He's God's son. The next character then we're going to look at is Elizabeth. Luke 1.41, he's still with me? I hope everybody's okay online. So Elizabeth, we're going to look at her. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, so Mary is visiting Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, so this is the one that was promised as Zechariah is now, the word of God that has been spoken is now beginning to be birthed. It's real in Elizabeth. The baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. He's here again. In a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. And by, But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? The next question is this question. Why? Why? Why would God come into my house? Why would God, God be coming into my house? Why would God come into my presence? Why would God come into this world? Why would God come for you? Not just Theophilus, but for you loved by God. Why would he come? And this is another question we all have to ask ourselves. If we want to receive the grace, the gift, the favor, we've got to wrestle with this one. Why would I receive it? Why would I be able to receive it? Why would God give me favor? Why would God give me more grace? I don't deserve it. I, I, I'm not good enough. I'm not been enough, good enough Christian. I made too many mistakes this week. Why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? I want to say this to you. It's not our choice that God would come to us. Not your choice. It's not my choice that Jesus came into this world. It's his choice. It wasn't Elizabeth's choice on that day that Mary would come to her. And that the presence of God would come to her and the Holy Spirit would be present in her, in her life. It wasn't her choice. It was God's choice. It's not our choice to know God's favor. It's his choice. He comes to us and he chooses us. Otherwise, it's about what we do to deserve the gift. You know, this Christmas, some of you are going to receive a gift. How much have you had to work or earn for that gift? No, it's somebody else's choice to buy you the gift and give it to you, is it not? Otherwise, you're trying to perform for the gift or you're trying to manipulate for the gift or you're trying in your own strength to get it. No, no, a gift is given freely. Now, there is a response to a gift and we'll look at that in a moment. But Elizabeth did nothing to deserve the favor. God simply chooses to love us despite our sins. Despite our mistakes. Now one thing about God we need to understand is this. God does not depend on us in one respect. 
He chooses us and to use us as a body of believers, which I still try and get my head around. But the point of this, God is not dependent on external factors to be who he is. He's not depending on your ability to make him love you. Nah, he just simply loves you. And you can't determine his love. His love is his love and it's abundance. And he chose to come to you for you and die for you because that's who he is. He loves you. And we can't determine who God is. He is who he is. He's not determined by external factors or behavior. He simply is who he is. He is self-sufficient in himself. He doesn't need anybody else. He's more than abundant in who he is. He just wants to give you his gift, which is his love in Jesus Christ. You can't determine that. You just need to believe it, receive it, and believe the Holy Spirit is going to come into your life and start to give you faith and a confidence in God as you grow in the knowledge of him. So why me? It's nothing I've done. So how do we know this? How can we know this more and more? How can we know this God who we say loves us? We can't in a way know all of who he is and all of his mind, but we can know something. And the something that we can know is simply this, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself is God revealed to us in a way that we've never known before. And if we want to know the depth of God's love, you're going to find him in Jesus, are you not? It's only revealed in Jesus through believing what has been written down here for you. That God sent his one and only son. He died for you for the forgiveness of our sins. And he was raised again. Anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen? It simply comes through the son that was birthed in Mary, the word of God, and was made available to all. If you will believe what has been written down for you, you can know for certain and have the faith and the confidence of who Jesus was in your life and for other people. What we do know is that Jesus died for us. <laughs> what we do know is the extent of his love and grace that we find in Jesus. Nowhere else in Jesus. Therefore, we can have a confidence in the love of God through Jesus Christ. Through faith believing in Jesus Christ. We can't decide some things, but we can decide some things. You know, at the beginning of that, I wrote that Luke said this, I have decided, he said. I have decided to write these things down so that we could know. I think that was a pretty good decision, was it not? So there's some things that you can't decide, though. So I've mentioned them. You can't decide if God loves us. You can't earn it. You can't decide if God comes to us. He's already come to us. He's already loved us. You can't decide any of that. You can't decide the call of God or the mission of God. He's already decided it and he's already put it in place. It's already running. None of that we can decide. God chooses all that, does he not? So what can we decide? To receive this gift, to receive the knowledge of God, we can decide. Briefly going to give you four things to take away. Are you ready? Really easy. You ready? Number one, I've mentioned it. Believe in God. That's your decision. When it's not going good, believe in God. When it's going good, believe in God. When people reject me, believe in God. When people love me, believe in God. Just keep believing in God. Believing the word of God has been put down to you. For you, believe it. It's your choice. 
Secondly, thank God. How many of you are going to get a gift this Christmas and not say thank you? Come on, let's be real, right? People say, this is a westernized view. You ready? That grace is freely given. That there's no, that there's no response to grace. We can't, it's, it's an unconditional gift that we can't do anything. But actually, it's not true. It's not unconditional in some ways. Every gift has a response, does it not? A westernized view says this, that it is freely given and it is, um, there is no response that's needed. That's God's grace. There's nothing I can do. Well, technically you can. You can respond to it. You can respond with your heart that it's been freely given, yes, but my response is this, I'm going to be thankful for the gift that he's given me. It, it, surely that's the first response to anyone who receives a gift. Thank you for the gift. That was really kind of you. You went out of your way for me. This should be the very minimum. Yes, believe the word of God, but the first thing we should do is thank him for Jesus, should we not? The second thing is praise God. I love the response of Mary. I love the response of Zachariah. And I love the response of Elizabeth. Guess what they all do? They praise God. They begin to praise him. Why? Because what his word is saying. It hasn't even come to fruition yet, the fullness of it. But they know the word is enough. The word is enough. What God has said is enough. So I'm going to praise him for the outcome that I've not even seen yet. But I believe it because he said it. I'm going to praise him for what I'm believing you see the difference? Oh, I'll wait until I see it and then I'll praise him. No, 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 no. You're missing it. Do you know who God is? Get your theology right. Do you know who he is, what he says? So start praising him for who he is. Not about what you're getting, for who he is. And you'll begin to see things because you begin to praise him. They were praising him. Praise God for what he's about to do. Praise God for John the Baptist. He's going to turn hearts away and to their fall. Praise God for Jesus. Praise God. Sorry, I'm getting excited about praising. You see what I'm saying? Oh, thank you, Jesus. No, no, no. Begin to praise him for what he's about to do. You'll, you'll tell if somebody's in the word because the word will begin in them and they'll begin to praise him because they're expecting the word to become manifest in their lives. They're not waiting for it. They're, they're proactive. They're following the word. They're following Jesus. And Jesus is already leading them and he's saying things to them. And they know the word will come into existence because he's already spoken it. He's a living word. He's not a dead word. Not just knowledge. He's a living word, Jesus. So believe the word. Thank God at Christmas. Praise him and rejoice. Rejoice and be glad and obey him. Do what God wants us to do. Otherwise, we think, well, oh, there's no real, oh, I've had a gift and that's wonderful. Yeah, but surely your heart should want now, should want to thank the person and understand the friendship of the person, of the abundant gift that they've given us. Why would you not want to know this friend who's given you a gift? Why would you not want to understand the magnitude of the gift that he's given you? Understand, why would he give me this huge gift? Why would he sacrifice his son? Why would he give me his blood for the forgiveness? Why would he do this? I want to understand him. In understanding him, I'm going to follow him because his ways are better than my ways. So I'm going to learn to follow him and do what he said. I'm going to forgive people like he forgave me. I'm going to follow him and do what he wants me to do. Not because I have to, because I love him, because he first loved us. I'm believing, I'm thankful, I'm praising, I'm rejoicing, and I'm obeying the word of God. It says of Mary when she received that word, I'm going to read it out. It says this. It says this. 
I haven't got it. Oh, on that page. For I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. In other words, Jesus, above all things, what I want is your word in my life. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the one that I love and the one that I follow in everything that I do. May Jesus be fulfilled in me. May Jesus live in me and through me because he has loved me. Mary believed the word and she allowed the word to become living in her life. And she saw Jesus. She saw Jesus die. She saw Jesus raised from the dead. She watched it all. And for me and you, our response is to believe him. It's to thank him, to praise him, rejoice and obey him. Why? Because he's given us the greatest gift, has he not? Have we got something to be thankful for this morning? You know, I'm not going to say any more apart from have a response of thankfulness and praise in this room. And I know you might have stuff going on, you might have difficult situation or whatever, but he is who he is. He doesn't need your praise, but what he realizes is this, that actually when we begin to praise, we lift ourselves out of our situation because we focus on him. Where people of faith, and people of faith are, have a faith in the word of God and who God is, not just the world that we're in. So I want us to stand and I'm going to invite the band up. My prayer this Christmas for you is this, that you learn something else of the greatest gift at Christmas time. And we're going to praise God, right? Are we up for praising God, Dave? Most definitely. He's sure that we're going to praise God. Is anybody else sure? How confident are we in our hearts this morning? Come on, I'm going to pray and we're going to praise God. Father, I thank you for your word, Jesus Christ, in our lives. God, I thank you that you didn't leave us or abandon us, but you came to us. And God, I thank you this morning that we, can, we have the option to believe. You know, we have the option, we have the choice to believe what is written down here. And many of us have believed it and experienced you in our lives. But Father, we pray this morning afresh that we would believe again. And Father, I pray this morning that our response would be thankfulness. Our hearts would be show gratitude towards you this morning, Jesus, and this Christmas period. And Father, I pray that we would be a praising people. Just like Zechariah and Mary, the response when the words became reality in their lives was that they began to praise you because what you were about to do. And God, we believe that you've not abandoned us, but you're going to raise us from the dead. And God, you're not going to just leave us there, but you're going to make all things well in the future. So God, we come to you this morning. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We thank you, Jesus, that you first loved us. Father, I pray for hearts this morning to be filled again. Holy Spirit, fill people with power this morning that they would be a praising people, that their hearts would be filled with hope, belief, faith. They would have an inner confidence in the Word of God as they grow in the knowledge of you in Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, let's praise Him.